0: here in the North San Diego County area, but just not quite ready yet to gather in person, you are welcome here in this space. And for those of you who are joining us from a distance, we're excited to connect with you here on YouTube and Facebook as well. I wanna encourage you to just jump in the comments and say hello to each other, encourage each other as we worship together in this way. Today, I'm gonna continue our teaching series that i'm calling the spirit of liberation and this series is responding to the question what does it mean for us to be spiritual we live in a time when an increasing number of people in the united states are considering themselves to be spiritual but not religious or are or are rejecting any expression of organized religion. And so in this kind of atmosphere, for those of us who continue to show up in a church service to call ourselves Christians and to be a part of a church like the Oceanside Sanctuary, how can we make sense of what it means to be spiritual people in this climate? What we're doing is teaching through the book of Acts. So we're touching on a few passages in the book of Acts where the spirit of God is at work in ways that I think can help us to understand what it really does mean to be spiritual people. So we're going to continue that series today with Acts chapter 6. As always, I want to ask you just to take a moment with me here at the beginning. Let's center our hearts and our minds as we prepare ourselves to receive this scripture and ask God to help us to make sense of it. God, we thank you so much for today this opportunity for us to gather here to read through this passage of scripture. We ask that you would really fill us with a sense of your spirit and what you're doing and where you're going. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear so that we can join with you and your work in our lives and in our relationships and in our communities. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 6. We are going to take a, a look at a kind of new twist in this story about the apostles who are living out their faith after Jesus is resurrected and is ascended into heaven. One of the things we've seen through this series is that the Holy Spirit, that is the Spirit of God, has now come to fill and empower people to live a kind of spiritual life. And we've said so far that there are at least three answers to the question, what does it mean to be spiritual? And the first answer I said from Acts chapter two was that to be spiritual means that we are given a kind of passion or energy that we can't quite contain, that like the prophet Jeremiah, it's like a fire shut up in our bones. And I said, if that's you, if that's your part of your experience in life, that that's part of what it means to be a spiritual person. And then from Acts chapter 4, I said that a second answer to this question, what does it mean to be spiritual, could be that we are not just given that sense of passion, that sense of energy, but we are empowered with the courage to pursue that passion in spite of the threats that we might face. So we have a sense of passion and a courage that comes with it to do what we feel called to do. And then last week we visited Acts chapter 5, and I said a third answer to the question, what does it mean to be spiritual, is that we are able to recognize where that passion is going, that God seems to be laying out a kind of moral trajectory or a kind of arc of justice throughout history, that like Martin Luther King Jr. said, that the, that the moral trajectory or the moral arc of history is slow, but it bends towards justice. I said that a third answer to that question, what does it mean to be spiritual, is that we're able to recognize that moral arc of the universe and we are able to join with it We're able to go in that same direction because we recognize where the Spirit of God is going. Today, I want to take a look at Acts chapter six and see a fourth possible answer to this question in this new story about Stephen that gets introduced. So join with me, let's read together in Acts chapter six, verse one, the story of Stephen. It says, now during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Now, I wanna pause there and just remind you that earlier in our passages, we saw that one of the natural outcomes of being spiritual, being filled with the spirit of God is that people's needs were being met, that a kind of egalitarian community was forming that it even says that there were no needy people in their midst because everybody shared what they had. Well, here in Acts chapter six, We see that one of the consequences of that is that the community is growing really fast and we're beginning to see sort of the cracks and the strain that that growth is having on the community there are some tensions rising up between two different cultural groups the hebrews and the hellenists and those tensions are a result of them maybe growing faster than their organization has the capacity to really handle. So look at what happens. It's really interesting. Verse 2 says this, And the twelve, that is the apostles, called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It's not right that we, that is the apostles, should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the Spirit. There's our first reference to the Spirit in this chapter. Full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we may appoint to this task. And while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the Word. Now, verse 5, what they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. There's our second reference to the Holy Spirit. Stephen is one of these people chosen to serve the poor, to wait on tables, if it were. It says, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Perchorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch, and they had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, something really interesting is happening here. Of course, like I said, the community is going through growing pains, and so they come up with what essentially is a division of labor. They recognize. That they need more help to meet all the needs of the community the community has a need for teaching and preaching and the community has a need for for meeting the material needs of those who are poor and people are starting to slip through the cracks and there's maybe even a subtext of favoritism that's happening here and that's creating some internal tension in this early church community well their answer is to become more organized as a community to have like I said, roles and jobs and a division of labor. And I think that's great. In fact, usually when I hear this passage being taught, that's sort of the lesson of Acts chapter six, or at least the beginning of Acts chapter six, that the spirit of God creates a way for us to do our work together more efficiently, to have a kind of division of labor. But I just want to point out to you that even though that's good, even though Having a division of labor is good, and organizing our work is good. Sometimes that organization has a dark side. And if you have a history of being in a church or a religious community where the organization in that community looked more like a hierarchy. Or even worse than that, maybe a sort of set of social classes where some people in that hierarchy were higher than others, not just in terms of their roles or their responsibility, but actually had higher social status or social standing. If that has been your experience in a religious community, then you know the dark side of organization that I'm talking about. Because sometimes our efforts to organize aren't just born out of a desire or an intention to be better at what we do, to be more efficient or more effective at distributing all the resources our community needs. Sometimes our organizing activity has along with it the intention of keeping some people in their place, of sort of reflecting that we have a higher value for some people than we do for others, or maybe even worse yet, organizing our community in such a way that those that we don't like, those who we don't trust, those who we don't approve of, end up being pushed to the bottom of the hierarchy. And in that way, our religious communities can become communities of real oppression and trauma. Because that organizing itself becomes a tool for coercing and controlling and manipulating people. My guess is that you know what I'm talking about because we've probably all experienced this to some extent. If not in a religious community, then maybe in a workplace where we've seen that that organizing activity takes on that sort of a layered social class system that keeps some people down and elevates others. And this is the dark side of organizing our work. And I think actually that this is exactly what most people are complaining about when they say that they no longer believe in organized religion. The old joke, of course, is if you don't like organized religion, you should try disorganized religion because that's really bad. You know the joke there reveals a the kind of truth that again organizing our work in order to be more effective is a good thing but it doesn't recognize this dark side that i'm talking about that so many people have really been hurt and traumatized by and so i think one of the issues that we have today when we're delivering the gospel and we're ministering to people in need is that if our organizing efforts Cease to be about really delivering the resources to people in the very best way possible, and they start to become about elevating some people and, and diminishing others, then we have crossed the line from trying to become more effective at what we do into that sort of dark territory of really using the organization to serve our own. Now, I wanna just move on from there because I think something really interesting happens with the story of Stephen that can help us uncover something that is the antidote to this particular problem. So join with me again, Acts chapter six, we're gonna pick it up in verse seven, it says this, the word of God continued to spread and the number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, that just means that their efforts to really organize what they were doing had the result of bringing more people into this community that was liberating and egalitarian. And so that's probably an indicator that there was some healthy organization at work here. But look at verse 8. We're going to pick up Stephen's story. It says this, Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freed men, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Cilicia and Asia, stood up and argued with Stephen. Look at verse 10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. That's the third time, in just a few short passages, we see this reference to the Spirit of God being at work in Stephen. And in this case, in verse 10, that Spirit of God is at work in Stephen, really empowering him with a passion to preach and teach the gospel, so much so that he's agitating opposition in Jerusalem to his teaching. And and that's going to launch us into the next part of the story, which we're not going to get into today. Many of you are familiar with the story of Stephen. He launches into this epic preaching and at the end of it the leaders of the council in jerusalem are so agitated so angered by it that they end up stoning stephen on the spot he becomes the first martyr in the early church but before that even happens i just want to point out something really subtle that you might have missed and that's this stephen is not doing the job that he was called to do Stephen, back here at the beginning of Acts chapter 6, is called precisely to wait tables. He is called because he demonstrates the spirit of God and a spirit of wisdom in a way that, that he becomes a person that the community feels like they can trust to be entrusted with the work of meeting the needs of the poor. And yet, that's not what we see Stephen doing here. I'm sure he did. I'm sure that Stephen was faithful in his service to the poor, but immediately, Acts chapter 6 depicts Stephen doing what the apostles had reserved for themselves. Remember, the apostles called Stephen and all those other men to wait on tables to serve the needs of the poor so that the apostles could do the praying and the studying and the preaching and the teaching work that they were called to themselves. And the reason that I love this part of the passage so much is that it demonstrates something really important about the Spirit of God that we are going to see again in the book of Acts, especially next week, in a much more explicit way. And that is simply this, that the Spirit of God does not care what your official job is. The Spirit of God does not care what your title is. The Spirit of God does not care what you are supposed to be doing or you're not supposed to be doing. The Spirit of God may very well fill and empower you and lead you to do something that is outside of the norm, that is outside of the order of things in our communities, that is outside of our cherished traditions. That is exactly what we see Stephen doing here. Stephen preaches, even though that's not his job. If you remember from Acts chapter 2, one of the things that we observed is that the Spirit of God came in a way that made it clear that God's Spirit has agency. In other words, we are not in charge of God. We are not in charge of where the Spirit of God goes. Like Jesus said, the Spirit is like a wind. It blows to and fro. We don't know where it comes from or where it's going, but we can feel its presence. In other words, the Spirit of God is not tame. It does not do what we want it to do. The Spirit of God is not at our beck and call. Instead, the Spirit of God is at work in the world doing what God would do and calls us to join with it in a way that brings the good news of liberation and redemption and justice and peace. And the Spirit of God does not care if that is our official job title. Our dilemma then is what happens when the Spirit of God seems to be moving in a way that is contrary to the order of our communities or defies the authorities that have been put into place or worse yet, breaks with our cherished traditions. I think this leads us to a fourth answer to our question, what does it mean to be spiritual? I think the fourth answer to that question is to be spiritual means that we are people who follow the Spirit of God Even when it breaks with authorities and traditions that make us and other people uncomfortable. That, I think, is the work of spiritual people is to go wherever God is going and to do whatever God is doing. And one of the things that Acts teaches me is that oftentimes what God is doing is breaking with our cherished traditions. And so, of course, this raises the obvious question, are you and I willing to go where God is going? Or are we too fearful of the consequences? Are we willing to partner with whatever new thing the Spirit of God is doing, even if it appears to be breaking with the traditions that we have called godly? Are we willing to put our lives on the line like Stephen did, to speak the liberating gospel of Christ, to benefit those who have been excluded from our communities in the past. All of this, I think, is what we see the Spirit of God doing in Acts. And I think that is inherently what it means for us to be spiritual human beings. Today, I wanna leave you with this question. When you reflect on your life, either as a Christian or maybe even before you were a Christian, When can you think of a time that the Spirit of God seemed to be empowering you to blaze a new path, to go in a new direction? And it made you a little bit uncomfortable or maybe it made you afraid, but somehow you had the courage to pursue it because the Spirit of God just seemed to be moving you in that direction. If you are willing, I'd love for you to share your answers in the the comments on Facebook and YouTube encourage each other with your comments and let's work together to become people who are able to see where God is going and to hear what God is doing so that we can join with that move. Would you just pray with me today as we close? God, we thank you again for this word that you brought us from Acts chapter 6. We pray that you would teach us to become people who are able to go where you're going and do what you're doing. We pray that you'd give us the passion and the courage and the vision to see where you are headed. And we pray, God, that you would give us the boldness to step out and to do it. We pray all
1: this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the service today. We've got a couple quick announcements before we head off. And the first one is you're gonna see a little QR code at the right-hand corner of your screen where you can actually pull out your phone, open up your camera, point it at that, and a little thing's gonna pop up where you can actually go through these announcements with me. And you can RSVP for things as well, right now as we're going through this. So the first thing you'll notice there is if you're new, we would love to connect. All you have to do is fill out a little connection form. We'll be in touch, we'd love to get to know you, we'd love to answer any questions you might have about what we're doing here. Next up is this coming sunday so not this not today sunday but next sunday we have two very important things coming up the first is our annual congregational meeting so if you feel that you are a part of this church that you um are really impacted by what we're doing then we want to hear from you this is your chance to vote on the new budget vote on our new priorities vote on new board members it's a Big thing for our church, we do this every year, and this is what it means to be a congregational church. It means that we do this stuff together. It's not just the staff working on this and then telling you what we're gonna do. No, we want your input and your sign off and approval as well. Next up on that same day, we are having a very special service called Pride Sunday. So we've been celebrating Pride Month all month, really, with every service, but this service is especially going to celebrate it with Pride Sunday. So we have a guest speaker from the LGBTQ center that started in Oceanside. We have a guest uh, musician named Celeste. Uh, Joey's gonna be doing some special things. We're also gonna have donuts and coffee and all kinds of stuff to really celebrate this the way that it should be so both those things are happening next Sunday July 27 so just come to church live in person as normal and you can take part in both of those things and lastly we have our book club coming up which I help lead with some other great people and our first book that we're looking at this time is called Jesus and the Disinherited which is by Howard Thurman. It's an amazing book. Howard Thurman is just one of my actual favorite uh, mystics, theologians, uh, liberation—you know—thinkers out there. And this book really takes a look at Jesus and recasts him in a new light, a truthful light, and especially in the way of black liberation. So. Join us for that. That's going to be July 1st, Thursday at 6.30 p.m. on Zoom. We'd love to meet with you. We'd love to dialogue with you about this very, very important book. And last but not least, if you consider yourself a part of what we're doing, if you believe in our mission, then we need your help. And we rely on the gifts of people just like you because we are a nonprofit 501 501c3. So if you're able, if you feel called to, please consider making a gift to this organization today at oceansidesanctuaryorg give, or you can find it on the QR code here. And any little amount helps, even if it's just your time. So thank you so much, everyone. Have a beautiful week. Uh, it's been so great to see a lot of you in person. I'm so glad that we're continuing this online as well. And we will see you soon. Peace and blessings. Bye.